Hello, gamers! Welcome to Alito Games and Alito Feelings, where it's just me, Eric, talking about some games and some feeling stuff. Just wanted to do some scheduling right at the top. Yes, today is not a full episode. We're going to take off next week for American Thanksgiving. I'm going to be spending my Friday doing Black Friday deals. Uh, I don't know if this is a thing outside of the United States, because I think it's associated with Thanksgiving. But, like, you know, people start playing Christmas music in November, which is not fair, first of all. You guys get all of December. Can you just, can we just chill in November? Like, Mariah Carey has her entire, like, self, <laughs> herself is tied up in this, so she's allowed. But everyone else, can everyone just chill the Christmas music in November? But, yeah, Black Friday is when all the deals start. Obviously, capitalism has pushed that earlier and earlier, and think Black Friday deals don't really start, uh on Black Friday anymore. It starts before that. But I still remember a lot of people like lining up and really starting to shop the day after Thanksgiving. I used to do this with my brother a lot and he doesn't listen to this so I can say this, but like he used to be really into credit card points uh, for all the Amandas out there, you guys, your ears have just perked up. But basically, it's like, you know, you get a lot of points that you can turn into travel. You might know for the rewards on credit cards. And uh, my brother was really, really into it. He loved to travel. And also, he was, like, spending a lot of time on those websites where you would um, optimize your credit cards. And one thing you could do is buy um, gift cards. Uh, especially, you can resell gift cards in international areas because it kind of, like, the American dollar is very powerful, and this is kind of the equivalent of the American dollar, but it's not. It's a gift card that you use for an American company. So, for example, an Apple gift card is very, very valuable because you can spend it uh, at an American company, and it, you can use it from all over the globe. So what we would do is there was a big Target that was near my mom's house in kind of suburban Nashville, and we would go there and try to find and buy as many Apple gift cards as possible. Like if they were $100, maybe they would be discounted to $90 or $85, and then he would resell them, and then that would give him a profit, a little bit of a profit, or at least make his money back. But really, he was in for the credit card points, which he would then turn into like cheap flights, uh, especially like, oh, I need to buy $1,000. I need to make sure that I hit at a $1,000, $5,000 level over three months. The best way to do it is to put $5,000 worth of Apple gift cards on your credit card and then pay it off with the money after reselling it. Like, that's the move. That's exactly the move. So we would do that. I kind of associate this, like, low-level grift with Black Friday, with Christmas a lot. Because, um, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, I actually do celebrate – I associate Christmas with basketball. I don't know if you know this, but the NBA is, like, really into Christmas games. They put they have, like, six games on Christmas. Um, so I love watching it. We've I've been to Madison Square Garden where the Knicks always play, like, a super early game. So it's, it starts at noon, and then it's, like, done at 12. I think one year, Amanda and I went there, and then we went and saw a movie, and then we got – uh, soup dumplings at our favorite Chinese spot after that. It was incredible. But yeah, the the Black Friday stuff, I, that's what I'm going to be doing is thinking about Black Friday, cajoling my brother to seeing if he wants to do it anymore, but I think he's out the game of like artificially inflating his credit card limit uh, for him to get more points so that he can go like business class to Japan or something. Um, anyway, so I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be hanging out with my mom and playing with her dogs. 
And like I would have just cooked so much, so much food on Thanksgiving. So we're taking off for that. And then the week after, I'm doing a big, big, big episode with both Amanda and Jasper. So if you want to send any questions, please, please, we're going to answer as many questions as we can on this episode. So make sure to send in your questions at the gamesandfeelings.com slash questions or whatever it is on the website. And the link's in the episode description all the time. If I got it wrong, that's on me. I've been doing the show for like two years. I should know it by now. We've gotten some really, really good questions. Uh, I know the episode before, uh, Jasper and I really drilled down in just one and we put on our artistic hats, but some really good questions. We're going to hit a lot of them uh, when I do this episode. Uh, Something I want to talk about a little bit is just my experience with uh, Spider-Man 2 and God of War Ragnarok. As you know, as you heard, I've become the avatar lately. I now have one console of the four main elements, Nintendo, Microsoft, uh, PlayStation, Sony PlayStation, and the PC. Um, it is my Xbox 360 that I still have. I think I have an X. I had an Xbox One for a while. I think my dad or my brother has it. I don't know. That's not interesting. <laughs> but uh, I've been really, really enjoying having my PlayStation 5. I still don't know how to wake it up. I feel like every time I wake it up, like I press the PS button on my controller or I hit like the wake up button on the actual console. It always just like ends up going to sleep again, even though I put it to sleep the night before. I had a whole thing about trying to charge the the uh, controller, which I still am not really able to do. I think I now actually have to plug it into the console to make it work. I don't know why this point. It's not the point, but I've just been really enjoying the action RPGs that have been on there, like the AAA, the really big one that's like you're playing through a movie at the same time of like leveling up and jumping around and and using like your digital physical body to do stuff. So I platinumed Spider-Man. I beat it 100%. I did all of the challenges. Uh, I got everything because I just like, I really wanted to dive into it. I guess I had gotten really into it. As I said before, I did it when I was at Misha's house for Young Kippur. So I've already, like, I played the original Spider-Man. I'm like, I'm ready. Okay. I, I like this. I like this loop. And, I like, flying around with your little web wings is wonderful. It's it's really, really great. Uh, but I've been playing a lot of God of War Ragnarok, and I've been really enjoying the story just as much as I like, you know, learning all the weapons, killing all the various things that's happening, like, really getting my, uh, my swag on and trying to fight all of the various monsters and bosses and extra stuff happening. There's just so many side quests in God of War Ragnarok in a way that I wasn't anticipating for something that isn't like straight up open world. Like it's not like Skyrim or like um, that Assassin's Creed with the Valhalla. It's like guided. There are like little areas that you can kind of go around. But again, you like there's a lot of um, like getting in a boat and like navigating around rivers or like running around just a small area, which is kind of nice. Like I like how manageable it is, but I wasn't anticipating how many side quests there were, how I can like, oh, all of a sudden I got to like return these stags back to the world tree or that I need to fight like 12 ghostly berserker bosses that are spread out around the worlds, the nine realms of on behalf of a cursed king. Like I wasn't anticipating that. And there were so many little boss fights, uh, boss fights are definitely the hardest thing in God of War Ragnarok. But I'm really enjoying, like, trying to get as good as possible at this. I had originally jumped in right at hard. Um, I guess it's not actually hard. It's, like, story, easy, or the, the, the level that they say is, like, I'm only in it for story. I like the story more than combat. I want balanced story and combat, which I think is, like, what it's calibrated for. And then it's, like, I want challenging combat, and then I want really, really challenging combat that you can only do for New Game Plus. 
So I had it on Challenging Combat, which I guess ostensibly is hard. Uh, but then uh, it was too hard. It was too difficult. I was like, it was like Elden Ring, where I had to like learn everyone's patterns just and focus on the specific interaction that was happening, like the specific fight. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And it was kind of losing the power fantasy of being big Kratos, God, the big dad with the big uh, blades and the big uh, and the big axe. I really kind of needed that power fantasy. Um, but at the same time, it's just been fun to like explore the whole thing. So I've been thinking about a lot, especially now that it's game of the year time is it's like, what, what does a game of the year mean? I think it has more to do with like, what do you think is the best video game only within a year or so? And then you spend a lot of time. It's almost like crabs in a bucket, or you're really trying to take down other ones and then whatever remains is it. Even this year with Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like people picking at Tears of the Kingdom and at Baldur's Gate 3 and at Spider-Man and at all this other stuff. Especially in previous years when God of War was out, I really felt a lot of people were picking at it and equating it to Marvel movies. And I think we've touched on it a little bit on this podcast, but like the real problem with Marvel movies is not that like it is an action movie with broad themes. Like God of War Ragnarok deals explicitly with like generational trauma and whether it's worth it to bring war to a peaceful area, even if you need it, even if it's to overcome oppressors. And also, do we expose the next generation to war, especially when you have dealt with it as a like as a the current or the older generation. The whole thing is like Kratos is a dad now and this is like, oh, my child's a teen and I gotta let them go make their mistakes or whatever. While also layering on violence on top of it. And like, yeah, that's a lot of that's this a lot of Marvel stuff. Like, oh, what do we do with power? What why do we fight? What is our responsibility for fighting? What is it worth it to fight if it's for justice or vengeance or whatever? Yeah, the themes are similar. But like, man, I've been moved by this. I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm glad that we're at the point where like Video game designers are no longer, like, just fathers. They've been, like, fathers for a while, and now they're, like, exploring this uh, and really actually dealing with their relationship. It's like, I am older now and actually passing this on to a younger generation, especially because, like, man, I really don't think that, like, our parents, or at least my parents, are good at passing anything down to millennials or Gen Z. They're just like, we're going to burn it, and it's going to be gone, and you, uh, sorry, oops, sorry, oops. But yeah, a lot of people during the Game of the Year stuff were kind of picking at this thinking this was Marvel movie stuff. And first of all, I have already put like 30 hours into this. Yes, I'm doing a lot of side content at the same time. But like, man, I'm becoming so close with everybody who is involved. I'm getting close with Kratos, and with Atreus, his son, and with Freya, who is a big part of the previous game and a big part of this game. And also like the two dwarves, Sindri and Brock, and of Mimir, who's like the little goat man, who's like the smartest man alive, but you have his head on a rope that he's attached to Kratos' hip at all times. And how like Mimir really sees the three of them as like a family like that. Um, and how their relationship have deepened. And it's like, well, yeah, I've spent a lot of time with it. It's not a Marvel movie because... Actually, Marvel tries to get away with it by just, like, one, giving a slop, right? It's like, you need to watch these TV shows. If you want more time with them, you need to take whatever we give them. But at the same time, they're trying to force emotion as quickly as possible. 
I think what happened with season two of Loki has been really up and down. The the last episode I heard was very good. Now that like Tom Hiddleston finally and Loki, the god, actually has this like apotheosis and the character is coming together. But it's been very up and down, especially as compared to like the Marvels and everything. They're trying to just like do it. It's like, here's the plan. You wish you were Kevin Feige. You wish you were a company. So you're going to just take whatever we give you. But God of War, you spend time with these characters. The It's earned. I feel emotionally bonded with these people. Yeah, there's a bunch of fights in the middle, and there's a lot of, like, side quest content. But, like, man, everything looks really good. And I really like how Kratos, as, like, a Greek god, fits in with the Norse god stuff, which is the whole premise of these these later games. The, the Dad of War series is that Kratos used to create all of these problems back in Greece, and now he's living, uh, like, in the Norse mythology with his his wife who died and everything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't know. I'm just really enjoying it. They've done a really interesting job of, like, mushing all of this mythology together, really, really building relationships, because you just spend time not literally controlling these characters. Um, you actually do control both Kratos, who has, like, all of his wild weapons, and Atreus, his son, who is a very, very, very good character. I think this was the biggest comparison I had between Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 1, for that matter, and God of War, which is like, man, whenever you're playing as not a superhero, you play as both Peter Parker and Miles Morales and some other and some other people in Spider-Man 2. But they kind of, when they shunt you over to like a human person, like when you're playing as Mary Jane or when you're playing as Spider-Man's girlfriend, question mark, as Miles' girlfriend, uh, who just does like street art, you're like, why am I doing this? I'm just a regular ass person. You can almost like feel you're taking the step down. Uh, while Atreus, although he's younger and a teenager, he is not a step down. Surely, yeah, he. I guess he has like he's less powerful, but he has a really great bow. He has a lot of cool stuff. Later on, you get extra bonuses and stuff. Maybe I just like being a ranger, or I like someone with a bow. I really like being a long distance character. Whenever I roll up characters for tabletop RPGs, I love being like a long distance damage dealer, like with a with a bow or with a gun or something. I just I just love it. But man, I've really really been enjoying it. I think it's been really really fun, and I'm really actually enjoying the separation of characters there. It, it, it's not just slop. It really isn't. And I think that maybe people were drilling down and saying this was Marvel movie style plot because they wanted to take down God of War because they wanted to say that their favorite game was, in fact, the best game happening. This was also the year when, like, Wordle was big. So on all the video game podcasts I was listening to, a lot of people were arguing that Wordle was the game of the year. And I'm like, shut up. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not even a little bit. Oh, man. Well, that's I'm really enjoying this. These action RPGs, straightforward stuff. I just, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to sit there by myself with a one-player game and just, like, pour tons of hours into. My game before this, I used to do this with roguelikes. I did with Slay the Spire, which was card-based. And I did this with Enter the Gungeon, which was, like, a twin-stick shooter that was constantly replayable. I probably put 300 hours in that. But I think that, like, I like pouring it into a campaign and just kind of cleaning it up. I just like cleaning it up. And eventually, I'll just look up guides and do what I need to do to just finish it out. Anyway, the point is, this is the episode for this week. Next week, uh, we're skipping it because it's American Thanksgiving, and I'll be cajoling my brother for Target gift cards and for uh, Apple gift cards, as I said before. And then we're going to do a big, 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 big episode with Jasper and Amanda answering a ton of questions two weeks from now. So uh, gamers, stay gaming. 
Uh, remember to ask people for Legos. Just if you want Legos, perfect time. If you want Legos for Hanukkah and Christmas, just ask for it. Parents will think it's educational and they won't balk at the price. So Legos, that counts as a game. Uh, that totally counts as a game. Uh, ask for Legos. And remember, there's nothing in the instruction manual for making your turkey or for uh, heisting Black Friday. There's nothing in there about feelings. Games and Feelings is produced by Eric Silver and edited and mixed by Misha Stanley. The theme music is Return to French Toast Castle by Jeff Bryce, and the art was created by Jessica Boyd. Find transcripts for this episode and all episodes at our website, gamesandfeelings.com. Until next time, press X to enjoy the podcast.